one and all, and welcome to the Women in Pop podcast. My name is Jet Tattersall, and it is an absolute pleasure to be chatting with you again. Due to the ongoing coronavirus pandemic, this podcast is being produced remotely, so please forgive us a lower audio quality than you are used to from our podcasts. Now, exciting news. The next issue of Women in Pop magazine is almost finished and will be with you very soon. But there is time to grab your copy of Women in Pop magazine issue eight from a store near you. The iconic Mariah Carey is on the front cover. We celebrate Mariah's 30 year anniversary in the music industry across 10 pages. Plus, we also have interviews with Carly Rae Jepsen, G Flip, Dami M, Freya Ridings, Talking Monster, and we also look back at the creation of Whitney Houston's debut album on the 35th anniversary of its release. To find a store near you, go to womeninpop.com forward slash retailers. Now on to today's show. Our guest is just 17 years old, but she has already toured with Justin Bieber, made it to the finals of America's So You Think You Can Dance, and has also launched a music career. She's recently performed her single, You Broke Me First, at the MTV VMAs and has a new single, Don't Be Sad, out now. Her music is just gorgeous and encompasses everything from piano-led ballads to edgy, electro-indie-infused pop. She is one of the most impressive new talents in the music today, and we are so thrilled to have her on the show. It is, of course, the amazing Tate McRae. Tate, hello, and welcome to Women in Pop. Thank you for having me. Oh, my goodness. I must just say, we were all so blown away by your recent performance of the gargantuan You Broke Me First, um, and you got your dance on there at the VMAs. What was that experience like? Amazing. I mean... I never thought that I'd be performing in the word show this early. Um, you know, it was a huge dream of mine to even get on that stage. So the fact that I was able to get nominated as well as perform was a huge honor and it was incredible. It was something else. Now there was a reason that that track blew up the way it did because it's just this total kind of brewing hurricane of electronic spook of a song. Actually, I'm actually gonna stop playing. No, I'm gonna stop talking about it so I can play it just <laughs> now. So here is You Broke Me First. Oh my goodness, it just speaks to those kind of late night concerns um, of anyone that's ever kind of been burdened in any kind of relationship. And I just wanted to know, what was, uh, what was your creative process and composition for that track? Well, I wrote it in January before the world shut down <laughs> and I got sent back to Canada. So I was still in LA and um, I was basically in this one session and I wasn't really in the mood to write an emotional song. Um, so it was actually kind of funny because, you know, my, my headspace wasn't really in a sad or emotional state. Um, and then, you know, once my subconscious started to speak and, um, you know, I started to draw inspiration from past emotions and really get into the zone, it kind of just came out really fast, like the entire song. And we just wrote this whole story written about like multiple people and multiple emotions. It's just incredible. I love that you said that, that multifaceted um, emotion, because it really does. Um, and I know, I mean, you first gained attention via your YouTube channel, um, where you hosted music series, Create With Tape, um, where it's always your original music. 
Um, and it's just gone insane. It's what 185 million video views, which is, if you think about that, it blows your mind what that looks like um, in just over a year. But I specifically wanted to talk to you about the, um, the track you penned and uploaded, Dear Parents. I'm actually just going to play that now. Here is Dear Parents. good okay so they say we're crazy and useless making up stupid excuses <laughs> and that we're not crazy romantics but we still know what a heart is and we know when it's cracked and it really burns like <laughs> seriously like the emotional maturity thing here's the thing now when you're young and you're feeling experienced things for the first time while also trying to navigate and fan alive your own self-esteem it's a constant battle and i think as people get older they forget about that and they placate that because they moved on from that. But your music speaks volumes clearly to your peers, but it also reminds those a little bit older had the raw brutality um, in all its wonder of those breaks that can really make us. And I just, I just want to discuss that with you. Like, I guess your desire and your purpose of really putting very honest and very of the moment songs for you. Like you're not trying to be older, you're really singing what you're going through. Yeah, and I think that's the thing about like writing for me is it's just my diary. Like it's everything that goes through my head and everything I lived through. And you can see that on my YouTube channel is you watch me grow up from a 13 year old to a 17 year old. Um, and that's a crazy thing to know that your life is online like that and your thoughts are online. But, you know, you look back and that's the coolest part. Like, the lyrics are still going to be honest for me, no matter how old I get. Um, you know, that song was a super personal to me, honestly, just because I was going through that phase in my life where I was becoming a teenager for the first time. And there's like, there, there's always a stage where you're with your parents like that. And there's like that bump where they don't really understand you at any point. Um, and there's no really way to communicate with them. Um, and so, you know, my only kind of outlet and escape was writing for me at the time. And I think that's how my most honest lyrics come out is if I just write about real situations. It's so incredible. And I just, I wanted to know, obviously, when there are a lot of young artists and a lot of that young artists are now being heard thanks to the internet and YouTube. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? They're no longer singing words written by adults. They're actually singing their own things, but it's still, you know, few and far between. And I just wanted to know, was that something you found missing um, from the, the music you were listening to? Did you feel like you were listening to the voices of very fully fledged grown-ups coming out the mouths of babes and was it something you intentionally wanted to change yeah i think that that's a big thing in the industry is you know everyone's trying constantly trying to make hits and make pop records and it there's like this structure on how to make them and you know i i feel like even when i get into sessions it's like when i first initially started it's actually changing quite crazily like as time is going on but when I first got into sessions at 14 it was like you're 14 you know nothing let us write the song um 
and that for me was like, whoa, like I have my own opinions too, even though I, I may seem young, like I'm, I'm, I really know what I want and what I want to write about. Um, you know, as I'm getting older and, you know, as I start releasing songs that are more of my voice, people give you more credit, but you know, there's songwriters that just know the process. And it's like, sometimes there aren't, there aren't even writing about real things. They're just writing words. Um, and that's like, honestly, what I want to veer away from is making sure that you're just putting out genuine music that are about real things. Cause I feel like that's the only way that people are going to be able to relate or connect is if they can actually put it into their life. That's so true. And also, if you're going to be singing this successful song for years, you're going to have, want to sing something that means something to you. Totally. You want to sing things that, like, give you the chills every single time you record. Like, you know, You Broke Me First, like I said, was written about multiple people. And every single time I listen to that song or hear that song, it's like I don't just listen to the song. It's like I listen to everything I was thinking about when I wrote that song. <laughs> I'm so glad you said multiple chills as well, because you recently released the pitch black piano purra, Don't Be Sad, which I'm going to play now. Here is Don't Be Sad. It was the end and I feel like my only friend. The only one that knows that this is a pretend. sometimes lyrics you hear and you go oh I wish I wrote that Are we, uh, yours wasted all my money throwing pennies in a fountain just so good just so good um the effect of this song is so wonderful because in its just absolute stripped back dark rawness there's something about it I guess it's that thudding beat that comes through that just has so much strength to power on through the hurricane. And I just, oh, I just want to talk about this song with you. Like, where did it come from? How much do you love it? All of it. Well, these are some of my favorite lyrics. Um, genuinely, because I think it was written about, it wasn't just another love song to me. Like, it really meant a lot to me. Uh, you know, what I was thinking about was, you would never say to a sad person, don't be sad. And you would never say to an anxious person, don't be anxious. Like, someone... You know, someone, you know, you just, that's something that I feel like is built into society that these, this is what you say to make someone happy. Like, look outside, your life is great. Why are you complaining? Um, and I think there are a lot bigger issues than that, that like teachers and parents and therapists, like sometimes skip over and don't actually listen and listen to like what, you know, sometimes teenagers or people are saying and then that can be like a huge mental game because no one really understands what you're trying to say um and that's where that song came from and you know that's why it was so personal because it was all about you know growing up as a teenager and um trying to translate like how I actually felt at the time gorgeous 
And I mean, your social media activity, as we touched on, is incredible. And your listeners really get a chance to know you. Um, you have this constant thread of raw newness offering up all these nuggets of your experience in your life. And I just want to know, what is the comfort you find in revealing yourself um, to these friends you've never met, like the faceless masses this way? And does it change differently from your face-to-face -face sort of interactions that you get with your friends and family? Yeah, I definitely prefer being face-to-face -face with people. That's why this whole quarantine thing is tripping me out because, you know, it's always best to be in person and be able to feel people's vibes and energies. Um, social media is a scary place. And that growing up in a society where everyone is using it and anyone can post any comment or any video or anything um, is so terrifying. And, it, you know, sometimes it gives, makes me so scared because one wrong move or, or one wrong thing you say, I feel like everyone's putting their whole life online and that's crazy because it's a public thing. And, um, you know, I don't even know how to approach it sometimes. I feel like you got to keep your private life private and share your art. And I think that's the most important part because you're just revealing all your secrets and you're revealing everything inside of you. Um, then there's nothing left that you have for yourself. And I mean, obviously, there's so much of yourself that's getting out there. Do you ever think about, um, I guess, the difference in your career trajectory could have gone had it not been for your ability to upload all your own songs and you were kind of governed and hidden from everyone else? Because obviously, it's a new, it's a new world that um, musicians are living in where they can go one-on-one -on -one with their audience online and chat. And it must be a double-edged sword, like you said. Yeah. You are so there for people and they really feel like they know you. I mean, that was the crazy part for me was that I was 13 and I was like, yeah, that's right. I'm going to post an original song every Friday. And I didn't, I wasn't with a label. I wasn't like, didn't know anything about the music industry, anything about music. And I just posted it for fun because I liked writing. Um, and I taught myself how to play piano. And I literally just put it out there every week. Um, and it was super easy for me. Like I had like this, I knew how to edit really well just cause I taught myself and then I posted every week and you're literally creating career for yourself by yourself in your room. Um, and it's really weird. And then I remember me and my mom would release like one day, which was one of my first singles that I ever released online that ended up blowing up. Um, we released it just individually, randomly. One day we're like, all right, we're going to post this on Spotify and Apple and see how it does. I didn't check back the views or streams or anything for like months. Um, and I finally looked and, you know, I literally, I think it just hit a gold record. Like it was so, just put it out there for fun. It was such a not strategic thing at all. And that's why it feels so weird that you can just do it all on your own. I think it's great, like managing your own career. I hope you wear a power suit when you do it as well. <laughs> um, now, I want to talk to you about your background because um, you're a dancer and you're an actor as well. And you've been dancing incredibly well from a young age. And, you know, you're now a fully fledged pop artist. Um, but it's clear that music, eh, it charges you in a number of ways. And I, I want to talk to you about the years growing up, particular exposure 
to music and songwriting and how it affected you as the artist that you are today, those early years of dance and then into creating your own? I think as a dancer, you obviously have to be musical. So, you know, when I go into a studio session of writing, I knew my, I knew my counts and I knew how to be rhythmic. I think it was just teaching myself the rest um, of, of the whole process, but it definitely like, I know what I like to hear for sure. And I can hear the little things that sometimes some ears can't hear just because you spend so many hours in the studio blasting one song over and over again on a huge speaker. So you start to pull out the really itty bitty specifics. And do you, when you, when you're writing your music and you're producing and, you know, like putting together your own song now, do you always dance or do you always visualize a dance that goes with it? Are you always moving? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you can't move to it, I feel like it's, you know, I, I always feel like I want to dance to a song and that's why it always pictures it. I always picture it in my head. Um, and that's how I kind of just create my music is I base it off like the feeling and how it feels like within my body. And then I can give emotion when I'm singing into it because I feel it like all the way through my body. And how did you transition from the mover to the singer? Uh, I mean, I think I'd always kind of been a performer since I was really young. It was just the process of, you know, I'd literally been training 50 hours a week for dance and it was taking that down a notch. I still train every single week, every day, but, you know, moving it over and figuring out what I want to do as a career and what I want to actually accomplish in life. Cause I feel like I was training so hard for competitions. And when you get to a certain age, competitions become kind of, you move on from them. Um, and then, you know, I started wanting to push myself in different ways, creatively and intellectually. And that's where um, the singing and writing and creative process came in. Gorgeous. And I mean, you've gone all over the shop with um, the many facets of your career. And I just want to know, um, as, an, as an artist, as a recording artist, what was your, or what was one of your favorite, oh my God, this shit just got real moments? Uh, as an artist, I mean, it started off, I thought one of the biggest moments for like, whatever be was when I started getting billboards. And that was really weird for me at first um, because I was on tour uh, and I, you know, we just like walked by New York City Times Square and I was like on a billboard, which was mind blowing to me. And then, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we cracked the top 100 for billboard, which was really crazy for me. And to hit the top charts is a very weird thing. Um, you just don't ever expect it. And then when it happens, it doesn't feel real. And you kind of like trying to like make it happen in your head, but it's, it's hard to, um, and I think that was like a huge moment recently was when it cracked the top 100 in Billboard. That was pretty cool. <laughs> that is very cool. And does it ever blow your mind to have such a career at such a, not, I'm not going to say young age because that sounds patronizing. I think what it more is, it's at an age where most of us are still going, oh my God, what am I going to do? Do I need to go to college? Like everyone's freaking the hell out and you've got this gargantuan career. Um, how, do you, how do you kind of stay level-headed with that? I think I just have a good support system around me. I have good parents who are super supportive and they've just known I've kind of been like this my whole life where I just always wanted to train, always wanted to be focused and like no free time, which 
you know, after a while, I was like, all right, I need some free time. I need socializing. But that's always been like my way of happiness was working and training and writing and being creative. Um, and, you know, that's, that's how I kind of escaped from things. So, you know, the whole, the whole situation of being able to travel and do this all um, just feels like the right thing to do always. That's very cool. And look, you clearly one for dusting yourself off and moving on. Um, an incredible role model for anyone dealing with any kind of knockdown. And I just want to know, as a young female solo artist, have you ever felt you needed to push even harder to be heard, to be taken seriously in the industry, both uh, with regards to gender and with regards to age? I think... Um... Gender-wise, I haven't been in the industry long enough to experience that to a certain extent, especially recently because I've been at home and I haven't really been living in it. Um, and so you kind of just put your music out, don't look at it for months, and then you like check back at how it's doing and how your fans are reacting. So as a woman, you know, I haven't really experienced that because I, I genuinely just don't think I've been in it long enough. But age-wise, I think it definitely takes a while to get taken seriously you know people always say to me like all my friends and family you have such an old soul but when you first see me I'm obviously 17 and um you know I, you would you wouldn't think that I have a complex brain and like a lot of things that I think about on the daily um and that's why I think it's kind of frustrating is that I usually don't like to tell my age until the end of a session so that, that people can trust my, my voice and trust what I want to say because I want to talk about real things. Um, but sometimes it's hard when people know, like, age equals a better song. Like, people, I think that's like a mentality thing in the industry. Absolutely. And, uh, I mean, I'm so glad you're doing what you're doing because, like we discussed before, you're, you're singing your concerns, you're singing your wins, you're singing your lows, you're singing um, your perspective of what's going on in the Friends. You know what I mean? You're telling stories of your age, of your age bracket, which people are very quick to forget. And I think it's incredibly important. And I think, you know, whether you know it or not, you're a total trailblazer because the industry will change when more people such as yourself are writing songs and you know what I mean? Like singing their voices. It's so important. Um, now you did talk about your, you're hating this whole year of um, being socially distanced. We all are. It's been one train wreck after another. Um, but I just want to know in amongst pandemic and, you know, conflict and hate and all this horrible stuff, there have been some, some really heartfelt moments um, creatively as well as, you know, globally and I just want to know what have been some of the things that have really lit up your soul shall we say this year you know I I, I say that I hate the pandemic because I obviously just like seeing people um but I think it's also a bit of a blessing in disguise I think it meant to happen for a reason for everyone to focus on themselves and you know take away from the crazy world around us and like comparing ourselves to other people and you know, bad vibes, bad energies. It was kind of a moment to just like recollect ourselves. Um, and that's what's kind of been happening. I've just been able to put out so much content and so much, write so much music. I've been in a million Zoom sessions um, creating. And, you know, I think it's also kept me pretty grounded and like, you know, not drained or 
um, tired or exhausted because I haven't been able to, you know, I love the traveling part, but then again, it can become really exhausting after a while. Um, and, you know, I've really been grateful because everything I've been doing, I just am super excited about because I, I can literally do it out of my home, which is kind of comforting in a way. <laughs> It's calm. We're all doing it. We're all wearing sweats. That's why it's good. <laughs> working. It's the best. Um, lastly, Tate, what is on the horizon for you? I have a new song coming out uh, like mid-October. Um, and I'm really excited. We filmed a music video last two weeks ago or something. The first like professional video I'd been able to film since quarantine with like masks and shields and the whole, the whole thing. But um, it was pretty cool and I'm very excited to release it. We're very excited to see it here. Cause I must say your videos um, that have been coming out even through quarantine have been kick ass. So I'm excited <laughs> to see what happens when there's production involved. Um, Tate, thank you so much for being on the show today. It really has been such a joy. And listeners, Tate McRae's latest single, Don't Be Sad, which you've just heard, is out now across all platforms. So get there and press play immediately. It's just incredible music. And before we go, a reminder that the issue eight of Women in Pop magazine with Mariah Carey on the cover is on sale now for just a few short weeks more. Inside, we have interviews with Carly Rae Jepsen, Freya Ridings, Dummy M, Toki Monster, G-Bit, plus loads more. You can find a retailer near you at womaninpop.com forward slash retailers. Thank you for listening, everybody. Please stay safe. Take care of yourself. Create. We'll be back very soon with a new episode. Until then, from myself and Tate, goodbye. Uh-huh.